0: Um, I understand that there 's these um, these athletic competitions going on right now in london i 'm not sure if i 'm allowed to actually use the name I think it 's uh trademark lawyered up so um, uh, but you know what I'm talking about—the athletic competitions going on in London. I don't actually follow them myself. I understand that this year the big—I follow the controversy because I see complaining as it leaks out into other venues, right? So, so people on Facebook complain about it or Twitter or things like that. So I don't actually watch the the games themselves, but um, I see people complaining, and I think one of the big complaints right now is um, is tape delay. But but yeah, uh, because people are finding it on Twitter first and then. And then saying, "Well, you know, what's the point of watching the race?" So, so I understand that's the big complaint this year. But, but maybe you remember what the last the last complaint was. The complaint from last time around. All I remember is the complaints. And if I recall correctly, the complaint four years ago was the Vuvuzela. Do you remember the Vuvuzela, or have you blocked it out of your mind? I think I think some people are blocking it out of their mind. That was the uh, the weird little horn that they have, the little plastic horn. And when you get fifty thousand of them in a stadium, all blowing. Uh, people say it's like having like a swarm of bees inside your head. So, um, if you happen to hear any of those games or see them on TV where the, the, the whole audience in the stadium, they're all tooting on these little plastic horns, it's a very obnoxious sound and, um, I was hoping that you would remember what that sound was because, um, because I'm going to use that illustration through the whole rest of my message. So, just imagine, just imagine the worst, annoying, irritating sound that you can't get out of your head and multiply by six. So, so that is the the vuvuzela. That's roughly what it does. Um, and the reason I was thinking about that is because that 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 kind of irritating um, buzzing in your head that's like I wish this bee would leave, you know, fly out of my ear and get out of my head. Um, that's sometimes the way I feel when I read John's gospel. See, John does not make sense to me, uh, or I should say, Jesus doesn't make sense to me when I read about him in John's gospel. And and the reason is because he's just so different. No, now we just spent we just spent nine weeks reading about King David, and King David I can understand, right? David makes sense to me. Uh, David's relationship with God makes sense to me. It's something that I can I can follow. David trusts God, and God blesses David. You know, sometimes David doesn't trust God, and then God doesn't bless David, and it turns very bad. But you remember the stories. David David trusts God and he takes on Goliath. David um, uh, trust God and he moves the ark to a new city. David trusts God. God blesses David. It's pretty easy. What's, what's not to understand about that? So I understand David. And even when I read the Gospels, I understand what's going on there, right? When, when David, when Jesus does something, when Jesus, um, uh, when he heals someone who's blind or he, he restores, uh, he restores somebody's uh, sight, um, or or he, uh, he makes somebody who 's lame able to walk again. I understand that it 's like okay, God got involved, and things got better here on earth. I understand that idea that that kind of way of of god 's operation that 's an easy thing for me to understand i don 't know how it works, but I understand what 's going on. People are trusting God, and God is blessing them and that 's fine. But Jesus doesn't always do that. And in particular, as we read John's Gospel, we see Jesus has a whole different thing he's, he's going on about, and it's sometimes hard to follow. It's easy enough when he's just getting in an argument, right? The, the religious leaders, they say, well, you shouldn't be doing that on Sunday or on, on the Sabbath. And then he has an argument, okay, I can follow the argument. Okay, That's easy enough. But when Jesus just suddenly plunges into one of these conversations where he starts talking about being uh, living water or uh, bread from heaven, or or starts talking about eternal life, I don't follow that the way I follow David. Because Jesus is talking about something that is different, something that is not part of my expectation when I read the Bible. So what I want to do today is deal with that that feeling, the, the buzzing in my head, the vuvuzela sound that's going on in my head. As we look at this passage, because that's all Jesus is doing in this passage, Jesus is talking about, how he's the bread of life that came down from heaven. And if that is puzzling to you, then you're in good company because we see that's exactly what's going on in the scripture. The people who are there that day are puzzled what it is Jesus is talking about. So we pick up where we left off last time in verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So that's where Jesus left us last time. And then he has this little uh, kind of a side conversation about uh, whether they believed or not. I want to skip over that and go straight to 41, because that's where I come in. It says, then the Jews began to complain about him. They don't understand what Jesus is saying, because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Now, this is actually a, a, an easier thing for us to follow than for them, because, because, we can relate to the idea of Jesus coming down from heaven. Again, we may not know how it works, but we understand that even if you're not a believer, you've seen people going to church on Christmas. You know, we This is a, a culture. You can't miss the idea that Jesus is from God. He came down from heaven. And so you can kind of understand that. Even if you don't believe it, you can understand it. Uh, maybe you've been to a football game and they weren't playing a vuvuzela, but they did have a sign, John 3.16, and you asked somebody what that meant, and it said, God gave his only son. So you say, okay, all right, I got it. Jesus is from God. We get that part. They didn't. Okay, what the Jews who were in this audience said is they said, uh, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? They're saying, look, I know who Jesus is. I've met his dad. I see his mom in the grocery store every week. What does he mean? He came down from heaven. So they're puzzled by the second half. Of, of the question, what do you mean you came down from heaven? And Jesus answers them, and it may not look like an answer. This is, again, this is one of these head-buzzing answers. Jesus says, Do not complain among yourselves. Okay, I got that part. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me. I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father." What does Jesus mean by that? How does that answer the question, isn't this Jesus whose father we know, whose mother and, you know, we see at the grocery store? How does this answer that question? Jesus is saying to them that you are talking about me because of something I did. We've been seeing this as we look at, as we look at the gospel. We came in the beginning of chapter six and what had happened right before that was Jesus had divided the, the... Somebody gave him five loaves and two fishes, and he used that to feed a couple of thousand people, 5,000 men and another probably 5,000, women and a bunch of kids. So he fed ten twenty thousand 20,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. He says, you are following me for a reason. The whole reason you're having this conversation isn't because I'm the guy whose mom is at the grocery store. The reason we're having this conversation is because I'm doing these signs from God. You know about them. If you were one of my disciples, you saw me last night. I was walking on water out to the boat that my disciples were on in the middle of the water. I am doing these signs. In the previous chapter, I made a lame man walk. You're being drawn to me not because of anything I say or do on my own. Remember, you're being drawn to me by God. He's saying, that's the whole reason we're having this conversation. And he says, but there's more than that. It's not just the signs that you've seen or you've heard about. People said, oh, I saw Jesus do this thing, I saw Jesus do that thing. He says, there's more than that. There's also the prophets, because the prophets also spoke about me. He says, you remember when Isaiah talked about how, how God would teach humans? And when Jeremiah said the day would come when everybody would know God, you wouldn't have to say, study up, go read your Bible, uh, go, to, go to the temple and learn about God. Because everybody would know God. They would all see me. And he says, or they would all see God. He says, I'm that guy. There's only two ways that can work. Either either we can go up and see God in heaven, or God can come down and see us here. We can see God because God is among us. God has skin on. And Jesus is saying, that's what's happened. Actually, both of them are happening. The first one is, God came down. God came down from heaven, and I am that guy. I'm the one you've heard about in the prophets. But I have a purpose. He says, I have come down so that I can raise you up on the last day. Both of those things are happening. The fulfillment of what the prophets said, you will all know God face to face. He says, that's what's going on here. You know me face to face because I've come down and I'm going to bring you up and then we'll all know God face to face. So Jesus, that's Jesus' answer. And it's... That's how he's answering the question, what does he mean he came down? He says, yes, I'm the guy the prophets talked about. I'm the one who's come down so that I can raise you up. I'll raise that person up on the last day. And then, without a beat, he continues on his point. He's saying the part about down from heaven isn't the important part of this conversation. Jesus is saying, and this is where we come in, because we get the part about down from heaven. They didn't, so he gave them that long answer. But now he's back on topic. He says, I'm the bread that comes down from heaven. What does he mean by that? Jesus says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Jesus is talking about something different. And this is what makes our heads buzz. We understand the idea of God giving us a blessing in this life. God feeding us uh, like, like he fed the, the Israelites in the wilderness. God blessing us the way he blessed David. God blessing us the way all the people we see in the Bible, where where uh, Abraham gets a land and a, and progeny, um, uh, Moses leads the people out of Israel with all these miracles of uh, you know the Red Sea parting and things like that. We understand that, and Jesus is saying that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something totally different. I'm talking about eternal life. He says, "What's going on is this way back in in page two of your Bible." where it says that that the people, uh, Adam and Eve, ate the forbidden fruit, and they were disconnected from God. And he says, I have come down to reconnect you, because you see, as long as you're disconnected from God, all you have is biological life. And biological life is like the world that it's in. It runs down. It's running out. If you don't eat breakfast and lunch and dinner in a couple of days, you're going to run out. You're going to die because... Biological life dies, and you need to keep sustaining it with the food, manna in the wilderness in the case of the the people of God. He says, all you've got right now is biological life, and I want to reconnect you to God so you can have spiritual life. My purpose is not to give you these, these blessings you're thinking about. It doesn't matter how good they are. That's not what I'm really all about. My purpose is to reconnect you to God so that you can have eternal life. So he says, your ancestors, they had manna in the wilderness, and they died. It kept them alive for 40 years, but they still died because all they had was biological life. And I've come down to give you eternal life. So he says, I am the bread of life. In verse 48, I'm the bread of life. And then he says, in verse 50, he says, this is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. This, Jesus, I am the bread of life, is the bread that will actually sustain you. I am going to reconnect you to God, and then you will have the life that comes from heaven. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the life that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. So, what is Jesus talking about here? Jesus is saying... He's talking about something different. If we go to the Bible looking for the kind of blessings we've seen God does give. God blessed David. God blessed Abraham and Moses. God God will bless us. God's going to give us the things we need. But that's not what Jesus is about. That's just something God does because he loves us. But what Jesus is about is something much bigger. He's telling the people here to aim higher. If all they're looking for from God is the blessings of the day, that they need to aim higher. He's saying, you want to be reconnected with God, and I am the one who will do that. So he concludes by saying that he is the bread of life that came down, not just for them, but for the whole world. He says that the, the life I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now, we're going to find out as we go through this that they have trouble with the flesh too. But just stop there. Without getting into the flesh, just stop and say, Jesus is saying he gave his life for the world. A lot of the time we we, we are may, if you grew up in a church maybe you're you're familiar with the idea that Jesus gave his life in exchange. The idea is that god God somehow has this system where if Jesus gives up his life, then we can have um, ours. but this phrase can also be interpreted to mean Jesus is giving us his life, not he's giving up his life so we can have our own, but Jesus is saying in place of the biological life we already have, or in addition to that, he is also giving us his spiritual life. The life he will give for the world is his flesh. We're going to find out more about the flesh as we go forward. But today, it's just this idea, if we're looking at God and we're trying to figure out how come how come God is going to bless me or not bless me, how can I get God to make that, that guy at work be less of a jerk or, or whatever, Jesus is saying that's not the important thing here. God may bless us, but if we're reconnected with God, then we will have God alongside us as we go through that. And it really doesn't matter then whether, whether our, our marriage improves or whether our children improve, whether we pass the test. If God is alongside us, if we are reconnected to God, then those other things won't be as important as we see them now. So Jesus is telling the crowd, raise your sights, ask more for God to give you. Ask more than just a little blessing like David got or like Moses got. Ask for eternal life and whoever believes in him will receive it. So, what are the applications? I think there's two applications. One of them is Jesus says no one will, uh, no one comes to him except they're, if they're drawn. If you believe in Jesus, this isn't for you. You've already been drawn. But I want to talk to anybody here who is thinking to themselves, yeah, I'm not so sure about all this. Okay? I have great news for you. You came to church on the perfect day. Jesus gives you a pass. Okay, If you aren't being drawn by God, you can leave here without any guilt at all. Okay, Say, I wasn't drawn by God. And it's that easy. No guilt. No. Nobody here is going to try and make you believe in God because Jesus says we can't. He says only God can draw you to him. So, that's on the one side. But let me ask you this. Have you ever asked yourself, if you're in that position, have you ever asked yourself, I wish that was true? Or, if only I could believe that. If you've ever found yourself wishing that it were true, or wanting to believe, what Jesus is saying is, that's God drawing you. And he's asking you, what are you resisting for? He will draw you, but he will not force himself on you. So, are you being drawn and are you resisting? If you're resisting, Jesus says, believe. That's all you have to do. Believe that it's true, and you will have eternal life And then you can say, I have been reconnected to God, and see if it works. Just believe that Jesus will give you that eternal life, and he will do so. So, that's the first application. If you have not believed in God, and you do not feel drawn, then leave here today at peace. No one here is going to try and make you be drawn, because only God can do that. But if you are, then don't resist. Believe in Jesus and receive the gift of eternal life. The other application is, is for those of us who have already put our trust in God, those of us who believe in Jesus, the application here is that we have eternal life. That we see what God is doing not as the day to day blessings of our life, uh, the, the, the bigger temple for David or the, the ark being moved to the temple, the beating Goliath, the things that we'd like to have happen. God will go on doing that according to God's plan and we don't know what, what that's going to look like. But the the promise here is that as we're reconnected to God, as we live this new eternal life, as we have Jesus who is living water, as we have Jesus who is bread from heaven, sustain our lives, we will experience the life that God wanted. And the the things of life will grow strangely dim, as the song goes. We will experience a different quality of life Not simply an extended life, not the, not the external, the, the eternal life that simply goes on longer, but a different quality of life that begins now. That's the promise of Jesus. That's the promise we can take from here today. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen.